Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Well, hello again, folks. It's another episode of the Oppo on 3.0 podcast. Andy Bishop, Brian Vilvin, Lacey Yonke. Uh, it's been a few days since we last talked. A lot happening in Padres land. Uh, Brian, Lacey, good to see you guys. Good to have some friends to, uh, to talk me through the current situation. Uh, as the Padres stand at an even 10 and 10, Brian, not exactly where we'd prefer to be. No, you know, uh, I talked about 10 and four a lot as we needed to be 10 and four after those first 14 games. I would have never dreamt up 10 and 10 after the first 20, but that's where we are. Um, yeah, tough to swallow, but again, it's early. It's the baseball mantra, you know, it's a long season. We're one eighth of the way through, but it's, it's tough to swallow in the moment, especially, you know, a game every single day, uh, a lot of peaks and valleys. It's, it's tough to, Think about the big picture when you're staring the small miniature micro picture in the face every single day. So it's been a rough week in Padre land. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to keep an even keel. It's tough though. Lacey, um, have you written anything within the last few days? Are you working on any kind of piece? What's, uh, what's on your mind there? Um, yeah, I'm kind of trying to toy around with a couple ideas. I, I obviously kind of wanted to do a recap after that Dodgers series. But then I kind of wanted to focus a little bit more on Tatis, um, kind of surrounding some ideas on what's going on when in his brain, um, maybe some hypotheticals on when he'll get hot. Um, he had a he had a hit yesterday, so that was nice to see. But as we know, his his bet his bat has been a little cold in the lineup. So kind of want to kind of working on a piece there, trying to compare him with maybe some other big league stars that have gone through. Um, a slump after signing a, a massive contract like he did. But um, right now I'm kind of been busy with a lot of other finishing up school and stuff. So I, my writing hasn't been, you know, as prominent right now, but um, my last piece was following the Musgrove no hitter. And from there on out, just kind of trying to find some optimism here um, in this last homestand, which is a little tough considering we lost many games in that stretch, but Hopefully a Dodgers recap um, after this, after this last weekend, this next weekend, and then maybe a, a little piece on Tatis um, if his bat starts heating up. Yeah. So we, we started the season seven and three after that series against the Rangers. Uh, I had the fortune of being at that series. That was pretty fun. Seeing, seeing some Padres history. Yeah, uh, and then pretty epic. since then, since then three and seven, and the, the biggest storyline currently, of course, Denelson Lamette comes back. He makes an appearance yesterday and can only go two innings before he uh, experiences some uh, soreness. Brian, we, we've talked about Lamette 
going back to last season, of course, he, he missed the playoffs. But um, what do you got to say about uh, the current situation with Lamette? It's just such a, uh, a tough pill to swallow because that guy has been – he's just been so good every time he's been healthy and he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And it's just a real shame because uh, he has the stuff to be one of the best pitchers in baseball, and I think he proved that last year. Uh, I had high hopes. I mean, I didn't have any hopes of him pitching this year when we look back to last season when he had the injury. I kind of thought it was going to be a Clevenger-type situation where he'd have to have a second Tommy John. And I know nothing, you know. I just no as a Padre fan, thinking the worst always. Um, and then when he rehabbed, and then it seemed like things were getting better, and then I started to dream of – what this team could look like with a healthy Denelson Lamette. And then we get to see two innings of it yesterday and the, you know, striking out three guys in the first inning and then getting through a quick second inning. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what he needed. This is perfect. And then in the bottom half of the second, when you see Craig Stammen furiously warming up, then my heart just sunk. And I was like, Oh my gosh, sure. I want to win this game, but that became, you know, back of mind completely to, what's going on with Lamette. It doesn't seem good. Uh, it's the kind of thing when you see a player get injured in any sport, you just start thinking about not having that player and what that's going to be like. So I dared to dream of having Lamette around this year. And then I just felt like, what was I thinking? There's no way this guy's coming back. I'll, I don't, you know, the sky started falling immediately uh, around midday yesterday. So I don't know what's going to happen next, but I don't have high hopes for, uh, for seeing him in this rotation anytime soon. So huge bummer. Love the guy. He's so good. Darn. Yeah. Yeah. You got to feel for him. I mean, a guy that's had a bit of an injury uh, history before that, um, and just continuing to, to deal with it. Uh, Lacey, where, where do you see this rotation? You know, even with Lamette out, I'll be honest. Joe Musgrove, right? Our boy, our home, hometown guy throws the no hitter. I honestly like going into the season. I thought like Padre fans were over hyping him a little bit. Cause you look at his career numbers. He's not necessarily a number one guy, uh, obviously the hometown feel. So people were big on him and he's been our best pitcher through four starts. Absolutely. Uh, obviously with, with the no hitter involved. Um, but you know, Snell and Darvish haven't exactly been dominant. Um, so what, what are your initial thoughts, you know, almost a month through the season, Lacey on, uh, at least those starting three. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Musgrove has just completely dominated. He's for sure exceeded my expectations. We kept hearing, you know, Darvish Snell, um, and even having a, a little, uh, combination of those two being number one or number two and kind of flip-flopping those two, but Musgrove has clearly been the number one, um, pitcher for our rotation so far. And, Obviously, after that, it kind of falls into um, without Morhone in there um, and without Lamette, it kind of falls on, you know, Paddock and then Ryan Weathers, as we saw last week against the Dodgers. Um, but at this point, I think Musgrove's confidence, the guy just seems completely dialed in at this point. And obviously that no hitter must have been a huge confidence booster for him. But he just seems every single time he pitches, it seems like he's just lights out and just is so, so, so dialed in. He's definitely better than. Um, Snell and, and Darvish is, you know, he, Darvish is kind of what I expected, to be honest. I, I, I'm super glad that he's um, in our rotation for sure, but Snell hasn't gone as deep into games as I would like. And Darvish has, has done his job for sure, but I don't know if he's exactly has that same mentality that it seems like Musgrove has right now. 
Um, obviously Musgrove's got a chip on his shoulder and he's got one of the best DRAs in baseball right now. So he's walking around like, like he owns the place. And, um, that's probably, you know, a reason why our, the biggest reason why our, our rotation is so strong right now is Musgrove. Um, but you know, I'm excited to see what weathers can put together tonight. Um, it'll be interesting. You know, Paddock is not my favorite. I was kind of hoping that he would sort of return to his 2019 self and have a little bit command, better command of that fastball, but I'm not seeing that as much from him um, either so far. So I don't know. It's kind of what I expected, but you know, Musgrove, Musgrove is definitely exceeding my expectations for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned we'll see Ryan Weathers tonight. We're essentially seeing the same pitching matchups that we saw in the uh, first series against the Dodgers. That was at Petco Park. Of course, it'll be up in LA this uh, weekend, but then it is a four game set. So we'll see uh, Musgrove versus uh, Dustin May, I believe, on the uh, last game of the series on Sunday. Brian, real quickly, I want to touch uh, on Paddock. I'm going to keep delaying talking about the offense as long as possible. Um, But Chris Paddock, he's shown some glimpses, but, you know, if he's not hitting his spots, he's getting uh, uh, taken deep. So what are you seeing from Paddock? Is there any hope, man? I mean, there's hope because the guy clearly uh, has versions of talent. You know, he's got a, a ton of arm strength. He has been dominant at times at all levels that he's pitched at. I think the problem right now with Paddock is his uh, lack of willingness to commit to having another pitch. You can't just be a fastball changeup pitcher in Major League Baseball, uh, especially when it's a flat fastball and a flat changeup, and you know you're mixing it up. And six miles an hour difference is really the only change that hitters have to worry about. So they can just sit on a straight ball coming, and then you know pick 50-50 whether they think it's going to be 89 or 95, and then they tee off on it. So you got to mix in some sliders, some curveballs. He's got to have more confidence in those pitches. Um, we've seen him go starts where he literally doesn't throw a movement pitch. He just throws fastballs and changeups the entire start. Uh, or he'll throw, you know, six sliders in a five-inning outing. Like, that just doesn't work. If you're going to be a starter, you have to have multiple pitches. Uh, and if you're just going to be a fastball changeup guy, you got to have a massive difference between those two pitches. The changeup's got to be moving all over the place, and it's got to be 12 miles an hour slower than the fastball. It can't be five and six. Um, the hitters are just too good. So maybe you get through the order one time, not against the Dodgers. Those guys love fastballs. They're going to eat that stuff up. So, um, I mean, we don't have to see him this series, uh, assuming that everybody else stays healthy, but you just – you have to be willing to mix in another pitch if you're going to be a starting pitcher or else, you know, maybe he's a bullpen guy. Uh, maybe he could be effective in that type of role, but until he starts incorporating some pitches with movement, I don't know his viability as a starting pitcher. Yeah. You're spot up. Oh, go ahead, Lacey. And yeah, if I could just add one thing, something that I've just seemed to notice uh, in addition to the physical side of that, of his pitching arsenal is, just how, you know, in his head he gets when he's on the mound. He, it seemed like he had a lot of trouble with that last season, but not only just him, you know, it kind of happens a little bit with Darvish and with Snell. I mean, Snell was, it was obvious in that, in that game against the Pirates too. He, he got in his own head and then things fell apart and Darvish has had some problems with that, you know, with the Cubs and Joe Madden has really had to, you know, come out to the mound and, and talk to him and make sure things are going okay up there in his, in his mind. Um, but that kind of, makes a difference for me with looking at Joe Musgrove and how dominant he's been on the mound 
and how, you know, focused and dialed in he has been. So looking at those three pitchers, Paddock, especially um, in that regard, it seems like he gets a little bit in his head too. Um, we'll see what, what weathers can do in that, in that category, but along with his, you know, pitching command and um, not being able to really execute uh, another pitch into his, you know, arsenal, it seems like Paddock might be like Brian said, a little bit more of a bullpen guy um, moving forward, pending on, you know, injuries to the rest of the staff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the mental component is a big part of it. And I, I agree with you, Brian, you know, we, we've seen a guy like Trevor Hoffman, right? He could be a two pitch pitcher because he was a closer and, you know, that's all he needed to go. But when you're a starter and, you know, you don't have a lot of movement on your pitches, only, only having those two in your arsenal, that, that's a lot of trouble. So it's hard to hard to know what's going to happen, right? It would have been easy to see him, you know, kind of transitioning to the bullpen if we had Lamette healthy and if Morahone hadn't gone down and, you know, we're now kind of putting weathers into the, the rotation as well. But uh, it's, it's hard to know what we're going to do with him, man. Yeah, it is. And the thing about Trevor Hoffman too, and the thing that made his changeup so devastating was the changeup was like high seventies and his fastball was mid nineties. So he'd throw a 79 mile an hour changeup up there and guys had just seen a, you know, 93 mile an hour fastball and they would fall like literally fall on their face trying to swing at that thing. Or they'd think it's a changeup coming. They'd sit on the changeup and all of a sudden 93 looks like 105 and they'd swing and miss. And he just made people look ridiculous. So, um, you know, and, but that's also, we're, we're comparing him to the guy who has the greatest changeup in the history of the sport. So I guess that's kind of an unfair comparison at this point, but I don't know. Maybe he just needs to like shave his head or something. Who knows? Cut your hair. Do, I don't know. Do some change something up. Cause right now the, the peripheral numbers all look decent and it just, there's that one blow up inning every outing. And if it's a guy making an error behind you, like, that's going to happen. And I don't fault him for that, but then make some pitches execute. Don't give up a string of four straight hits after that. Like shut somebody down, uh, be a major league pitcher. That's all I got. Brian with some <laughs> expert advice for Chris Batter. Like, oh, oh man. Hopefully the sheriff or well, he's the, maybe the, the deputy or whatever people are calling him these days, <laughs> depending on the outing. I like his swagger, man. I, I, I do think that he can get in his head sometimes, but I think, yeah, he just got to change something up. Don't be so stuck in one place. Mix it up a little, baby. Let's, let's do something. We got to have him, dude. We, he's got to be, he's got to be good. Like injuries are creeping up all over the place. We got Tommy Johns. There's going to be an open spot in this rotation for at least the next two years. So this guy needs to, he needs to be good. Yeah, man. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, hard, to, hard to see from a, a guy that had so much potential and looked pretty dominant his rookie year in 2019 to, to where he's, you know, kind of fallen. But yeah, yeah, we got to have him in some role. Uh, all right, let's transi transition over to uh, our offense, which uh, I don't even want to say anything because I can't say anything nice. Pass. Lacey, uh <laughs> What are you seeing from this offense? Obviously, strikeouts are high. Timely hitting is not there. When you know we're, we're awful with runners in scoring position. Uh, what's your? What do you have to comment on this? Nothing great. Um, obviously, like you said, awful in runner with runners in scoring position. Um, 
but I think, I, I don't know, part of me was just thinking about it yesterday when, when the bases were loaded yesterday in, in the eighth inning and Tommy Fan was up there and I was, you know, watching the game and I'm sitting there like, all right, you know, if Tommy Fan can come up here and be the hero, sweet. Like that, that would just be so awesome for him. He, he came in clutch the other day um, with that double. Maybe something could happen here. And for him to go get the count to 3-2 and then, have a fastball right down the zone and go strike out looking. And then for Will Myers to come up and, you know, whiff at that, at that three, two count as well, to have two veteran players not be able to put um, the ball in play with the bases loaded down by two. I think that was like a, a, it was a very pivotal moment for me. I I was very frustrated after those two at bats. Um, And before then I had a lot of optimism kind of, looming you know maybe this you know timely hits will come we're getting runners on base um it's not like we're you know it's not like our offense is completely cold we're getting runners on base and um you know we're we're having hits to where we're stealing bases and we're getting a lot of walks and the you know the bags are full but we just can't get runners home and to not be able to put the ball in play um with two veteran hitters up that's just to me that just seems like it seems like the offense is pretty banged up seems like a lot of guys are a little flat um Maybe they need the Dodgers series to wake them up a little bit. Um, maybe Machado is going to come out with a little bit of a vengeance and wake the offense up. Who knows? But it seems like across the board, um, it's flat and it's it. We're not scoring any runs, so um, something needs to change. Something's got to turn the corner because it's not looking good as of right now. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It it kind of goes back to uh, game one of that Dodgers series, like. Lacey was just talking about last night in the eighth inning and having uh, the bases loaded with nobody out and just try to manufacture a run or two somehow. And in the extra inning game against the Dodgers, we had two scenarios in the 10th and 11th innings where like we had to think we're going to win those games. We had runners on third base with less than two outs in each of those innings. And in the, in every situation, we weren't able to just scrounge a run across like get a bunt down or, you know, hit a ball, a ground ball to the right side or hit a ball in the air for a sack fly <laughs> on, uh, in the 11th inning, we had Tatis on second base. Cronenworth grounds out to first on the first pitch, which is great because it moved Tatis over to third. Obviously they're going to walk Machado. And then you've got Hosmer coming up. That's a professional hitter. A guy you think is going to give you a good at bat, just hit the ball in the air or at that point, like literally all you need is to hit a number into the grass that's like a swinging bunt accidentally like just walk into something a base hit at any point and then he couldn't get it done will myers comes up and strikes out and the innings over so that was the first time we saw it and then it's just kind of crippled them from then uh pretty much every game of the homestand they had so many situations where they had runners on second and third or the bases loaded with less than two outs and i can think of maybe one one time where they manufactured a run and that was uh, in the first inning yesterday. Like, yeah, if they got a base hit and a couple runs come in, but I'm talking about like just hit a ground ball to the right side or get a sack fly. When's the last time the Padres had a sacrifice fly? I can't think. I don't think they had one the entire homestand. They had one ground ball out that was an RBI uh, yesterday to open the game. And that's it. Like the inability to manufacture a run. I was watching. I, I went back and wanted to watch some Tony Gwynn highlights, uh, like a Tony Gwynn RBI video to just see different ways that he got runners in. And I mean, that guy, again, we're talking about, 
we talked about Trevor Hoffman's change up the greatest of all time. And Tony Gwynn, who's, you know, with the bat, one of the greatest weapons ever, but he just always put the ball and maybe it wasn't every time because I'm watching a highlight video. (laughs) So I'm sure there were times where he didn't get it right, but he was just so good at hitting the ball to the right side and getting the run across, you know, so many times Kilvio Varis just walks across home plate because Tony Gwynn hit the ball to the right side. And then just watching the pods is so frustrating when they can't do anything to manufacture a run. Just accident. It's almost impossible what they're doing right now, what they did this homestand. So I just keep, I just keep thinking that it might just be the curse of Diego gods or something. Because <laughs> After I, don't last know, year, I don't know if starting slam Diego was just the worst thing we ever did or something, but we're what, what is it? Two for 21 or 22 for with, bases loaded and in those two times that we did score guys they were you know singles um whereas in slam diego we were hitting doubles triples um you know home runs we were, we were doing everything with bases loaded last year so i don't know if it's if we cursed ourselves or or something but something doesn't something doesn't feel right there i don't know the curse of the jack ball on the right field foul pole yeah yeah i've yes. been seeing a lot about that too i know maybe <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's that guy that guy's got to go. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Let's get him out of there. <laughs> I miss, I miss the days when we had like the Taylor made or Callaway golf club going up the, the right field foul pole. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. The pods have been pretty good at uh, getting interactive with their sponsorships and like, you know, the, the Jack Daniels deck, the Jack deck at one point and they, uh, the like San Diego, uh, outfield thing. Yeah. They, they're pretty creative in their marketing, but I think Jack's got to go until he can prove that he's allowed to be in the stadium and we can still score some damn runs. So still further notice you're, you're out Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not exactly slam Diego currently. It's like strand Diego. That's kind of a stretch, but (laughs) we're stranded. No, I like that. I like that. Runners. Yeah. I think, Here we I think, need to uh, use that to humble ourselves a little bit. 37 and 179 with uh, runners in scoring position. So less than 200. We're basically every single time we have runners in scoring position, we're sending Austin Hedges to bat <laughs> throughout the entire say. season. In 20 games, it's like every single at bat you take with the bases loaded uh, or with runners in scoring position, Austin Hedges is your batter. Of course, you're 10 and 10. It doesn't matter how good you can pitch at that point. Best ERA in baseball. Probably the best pitching staff up to this point, the way they've performed. Uh, and then a guy who gets a lot of grief, uh, the old man, Craig Stammen, who I think I might actually be older than. Um, but anyway, he has been such a stud this year. Craig Stammen right now, to me, is the MVP of this team. Anytime they need someone to eat innings, he's going in there and he's giving you good innings. Uh, he may give up a run or two here and there, but he's also gone on three, four inning stretches where he gives up nothing. He comes in off short rest. Like literally this guy does anything you want him to do. And I was rolling my eyes when they brought him back on a multi-year deal. I was like, Craig Stammen, really? What are we, why? And now I see it. I'm like, dude, this guy can never do any wrong uh, in my eyes from this point forward. He's been the MVP through 20 games. Yeah. Craig Stammen, he's a man. Uh, I think he's 37, Brian. So don't worry. You're you're only older than Mark Melanson, an MLB closer (laughs) by a year. Uh, no, dude, I was going to say, like, we've seen too much Craig Stammen, right? We've re- had to rely on this bullpen too much because of injuries and, you know, starters not going long enough. But credit to him, man. He he comes in, he'll give you a couple innings. He's probably our best hitting pitcher. Uh, so so yeah. you got to love the guy for sure. Andy Bishop, Brian Vilvin, Lacey Yonke here on the Oppo on 3.0 podcast. Talking ourselves through the Padres 2021 season. 
Lacey, as you, as you look at the team right now, right? So we're 10 and 10, it's so easy to micromanage this team and to get flustered with, uh, you know, their mistakes and, and their losses and whatnot. Bigger picture, should, should the, the Friar faithful be concerned? I, okay, originally, a couple of days ago, I was, you know, with this mindset that, um, you know, I, I was a little freaked out when we lost those two to the Dodgers and then we got that win back and I was feeling, I was feeling a little bit better then. But at this point, um, even, even though we, we got swept by the Brewers, I'm still looking at this 10 and 10 record. We were still ranked number two by the ESPN power rankings by the grace of God, some degree. We're still, you know, um, up there in some of these, on some of these sports sites is, you know, one of the top two teams in, in baseball right now, even though we're 10 and 10. But last year, you know, we started the season 11 and 12 um, and we ended up finishing um, with the second best record in the NL West. Um, I wouldn't be too super concerned. I definitely, that's not me defending it. I don't think that, you know, things should stay the same. Um, I definitely think that things should turn around. I think the offense needs to get hot, obviously. And maybe after this uh, four game stretch against the Dodgers, a day off um, will do us very good. I think the next three weeks or so, we have a few more off days, which will definitely help the team a lot. Um, but no, I don't think we should be concerned yet. As Brian said, we're an eighth of the way through the season. What is that in an NFL season? Two games into the NFL season, um, that that shouldn't be caused too too much concern for the Friar faithful. I think it's definitely um, hard because we just expected so much coming into the season, and it's always tough when you know your expectations are um, a little let down. And at this point, we're we're not really expecting it much, but we're hoping. Um, it's kind of changed to more hope at this point that we kind of turn things around, which is obviously not the best position to be in. But I think thinking about the marathon and of this season, and it's a little hard last year when everything was just so go, go, go with that 60 game sprint of a season. It's a, it can be hard to adjust your mindset back to that, that marathon um, mindset of baseball, but it is very early. And I think time and understanding that perspective will help us not, you know, freak out for too much longer, but, um, again, maybe this Dodger series isn't as hyped up because of the homestand that we just had, but, um, I'm still really, you know, it's, it's, it's saying something when you lose drop three games, drop three games to the Brewers, and then you're so fired up to come back and watch the seven ten PM game tonight, um, against the Dodgers. So, um, I think this team still generates a ton of fan base and obviously, you know, there's fire in that clubhouse for sure. The clubhouse has got to be, um, reeling for some runs right now. So. I don't think we should be worried, but um, definitely keeping an eye on on what this offense does to turn some things around. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, we saw what the Nationals did a, a couple of years ago and how they struggled the first couple months of the season and ultimately ended up winning the World Series. Brian, the man that can paint the, po the Padres in a good light, no matter what phase of life they're in, he's our publicist. What's the silver lining <laughs> for the Padres going forward? The silver lining is, like Lacey said, we're uh, we're one and one in the NFL season. So you'd never give up on your team after a one and one start to a, a sixteen game campaign. Uh, but we're getting Austin Nola back. Uh, there are reports that potentially he could come back uh, after this weekend series. So starting next week, we would get Austin Nola back. Uh, that would be a huge thing for the pitching staff because right now people are, you know, right now Camposano's struggling behind the plate. Uh, and then he's also kind of struggling when he gets to bat. Um, but 
he had never played above single A before last year when he came in for like two at bats before breaking his wrist. So um, having Austin Nola back and then Caratini can be the catcher once every few days, uh, you know, maybe twice a week on Darvish and then at one other point. And then Nola's the guy outside of that. Uh, I think that'll be a huge thing for this offense uh, to kind of wake things up. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a team. The, the roster is still stacked. I still think they are the second best team to those, uh, those other guys. It's just tough when you look up right now and, you know, you look at the standings and you're like, oh, we're five games back. It feels like we're 40 games back, but we're really only five. Like we could get swept this series and we're down nine games. And then you're like, oh my gosh, our backs are against the wall the rest of the year. Or you could sweep and be behind by one game. So the standings at this point, it is super premature. We've got a 17 game stretch where the final 10 games of that stretch are against, you know, seven against the Dodgers and three against the Brewers with two of the best pitchers in baseball in those three games for the Brewers. So like, yeah, it's a, it's a brutal stretch this early in the season. And at this point I would totally take a split in LA. And I think if they could get something like that and be, you know, 12 and 12 at the end of that, then we'd go out and take it out on our next, you know, four or five opponents and really get things going in the right direction. April is not always a great month for Padre baseball, but our roster has never been this stacked. I still firmly believe that. The pitching staff is as good as advertised. If they can stay healthy, then uh, I like our chances. I still think it's going to be us and the uh, the boys in blue as the uh, the final two standing in the NL West. Yeah, well, man, th- those games against the the Dodgers, like I think it was Justin Turner who said they, they were going to be World Series type, game, type games. So that's what the first series was. And, man, if it weren't for Mookie Betts, you know, diving catch in center field, you know, maybe we take that second game and, and take the series. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'll take a split this weekend in, in L.A. for sure, uh, but definitely going to be uh, some some good ball to watch. Hey guys, before we end, I do have to take it back because we haven't, talked uh since uh the joe musgrove no hitter and what that meant to this city uh and our experience with it Lacey, uh when you when you were watching it what was going through your mind there gosh when i was watching that um i was i was thinking of you because i was like wow he's you know at that game it must be something to watch um but joe musgrove actually uh played at the same little league that i did when i was growing up um, at Tuckalodi, um, baseball in Bay park. So, and he played there for three or four years, you know, when he was really little. And so my, a couple of my old coaches, I was texting them and talking to them about having coached, um, Musgrove in the past. So that was a pretty cool moment for me. Um, but the second that happened, you know, I was calling, I was getting so many texts and calls from, from people and friends and family and everyone was just so fired up and it just really showed how much this meant, um, to the city. And the fact that the Padres were the last team to, um, have reached that milestone. Um, you know, it proved that, that they were, that they're now, um, you know, legit, they're legitimate contenders for a world series this year with the world series kind of being the last, you know, bucket list item to really check off. So, um, it really just kind of cemented that in my mind and gosh, what a, what a moment it's really storybook for him to have done it. Um, the only thing better would have been having it be done at, at Petco park. Um, but the fact that his, you know, family was there and then, I haven't, you know, gotten a chance to head down to Grossmont High School to watch, see that mural that got put up, but um, that seems, you know, phenomenal as well. So obviously it just means a ton for the city and cool that, you know, different people across San Diego are able to connect to this moment because it really is something special. 
Brian, you, you've uh, uh, been through a, a few Padres seasons, a couple of near no hitters, and our our local guy does it, man. Yeah, that was uh, that was just so incredible. Um, I was watching the game, and obviously, as it gets closer, you start doing the math and thinking about it and looking at the pitch count. And like, oh, I wonder if he is going to be able to get this done. And then, uh, you know, he had a really quick either seventh or eighth. I think it was the eighth inning. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, we're like, it, it just felt different. It felt like this is actually going to happen. And then the moment that it did happen, I was sitting on the edge of the couch, just like probably sweating profusely, couldn't handle it. You know, I was just freaking out, had my hat on and the ground ball got hit to shortstop. And I just got up and I was like, oh my God, he did it. Like I, I knew that was the exact play you're hoping. You don't want to see a, a sharp liner somewhere. You just want to see an easy ground ball. I threw the hat. I said, he did it. I saw as soon as Profar caught that ball, I just fell to the ground and like my hands in my face. And I just started crying, man. Like the tears started coming and it wasn't like, it wasn't like a, a cry. It's just like one of those things where you're just overcome with emotion and you can't believe what you just saw. Um, probably what's going to happen when we win the world series, but <laughs> yeah, man, the tears just started flowing and I, I didn't even get to hear the call or anything. Cause I was freaking out too much on my own. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to go back and watch and listen to all the calls and everything. But yeah, just overcome with emotion. Um, it was so cool. And then, you know, my phone blowing up every single person I've ever met in my life, texting and calling <laughs> and all this stuff. And I had to put my phone away, uh, going into the ninth inning because I don't know if people are like ahead of me on the feed or whatever. And I don't want, I didn't want my phone to start ringing. Cause then I'm like, Oh my God, you think either way, like, Oh, I know he did it or, and I wasn't going to answer. So I hid my phone a little bit. And, uh, and then I was thinking about you, Andy, like Lacey said, like knowing you were there and just wondering what that experience was like. So what, like, thank goodness you got on that flight. What was that like being in the building? <laughs> I think uh, we should take some credit for that. We convinced you to go. No, we totally did, man. We, we had to, we had to kind of light the fire under you, Andy. <laughs> and then you're out there, you make the Padres video. Cause you took the, I'm so glad you took the video too. Like, oh my gosh. So we got to see your reaction, but what, what did it feel like firsthand for you? Oh man, it was uh, so cool. And definitely credit, credit all around to my friends. Um, <laughs> You know, the first couple of innings, I just wanted to like walk around the ballpark and get a couple of vantage points. Dude, that that ballpark is amazing. So many cool aspects of it. And then I had tweeted something earlier in the day that I was going to be there. And a lady who I actually worked with, with the Padres a decade ago, her name's Cheryl. She's a tour guide at Petco Park. And she and her husband always go on a, a trip each year to a different ballpark to watch the Padres. And so they just happened to be there. And I, I didn't know until the day of. Um, so after walking around the ballpark for a couple innings, I found them. And this was probably in the third or fourth inning. Uh, I was planning on, you know, walking around a little bit more and going to different parts of the ballpark. But I, I was aware of it, you know, in the third inning, like J Joe's looking perfect right now. So I'm going to sit right here and enjoy, enjoy the game. And like you said, Brian, watching the pitch count um, and, and just seeing all the different Padres fans around. And when it finally came to be, it's like, holy crap, I am here. Like I'm a, <laughs> I'm a fourth generation San Diegan. Like my grandpa went to games at Lane field and Westgate park before there was San Diego stadium. My 
dad and uncles like have been to near no hitters, you know, out at, out at the Murph. And so they have so many stories. And so to, to be there, it's almost like a survivor's, you know, guild or whatever they call it, where you feel like there's so many other people that deserve to be there as, as opposed to me in, in the younger generation, but to be there with somebody that I'd known um, for years and it was just as hardcore of a Padres fan as me, uh, that was pretty special. And then like after the game, I literally, there's like a bar uh, restaurant area right outside the stadium where I went. And I literally just had to like go and find like a little quiet space when everybody was like loud and drinking and going crazy and everything, just so I could like make a, a, a few texts and just kind of see how Twitter was responding and everything. And just, uh, you know, just kind of taking the experience. So man, it was, it was cool. And obviously something I'll never forget. Uh, I, I purchased a $9 ticket to get into the park and I threw it away upon entry. So <laughs> That was a mistake. <laughs> Would have been nice to have a Joe Musgrove autograph on that, but uh, good stuff. Uh, so anyways, you guys got anything left to say real quick, Brian? I think I'm good, Andy. I, I feel better though after this therapy session. So thank you guys for, for bringing me back into a good headspace. I do too. I'm ready to watch some Padres baseball tonight. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Life always goes on and, and baseball goes on. All right, guys, Brian, Vilvin, Lacey Yonke, Andy Bishop here on the Oppo on 3.0 podcast. Always a good time. We'll see you. We'll see you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.